Well, welcome into the Johnson City Small Business Podcast. We're all about connecting the folks of Johnson City, and I'm your host today, Ryan McKinney. Thanks for listening. And now it's time to welcome Randy Almanzor of C.S. McAuliffe's to the Johnson City Small Business Podcast. He's here to provide some some expertise, give some thoughts on life in Johnson City, and, and to share a bit of his story and, and of his business. Uh, so, Randy, welcome in. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, a, it's all my pleasure. Thank you. So, so I want to so want to get some questions about your your business, um, your your story, and and uh, run a small business in Johnson City. And first, though, take take me back a bit to where it all began and 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 where you grew up. Sure. Uh, so I grew up in Saint Petersburg, Florida. Um, born and raised until I went off to college. Uh, same house, so um, never moved. Uh, but yeah, um, born and raised down there. Went to a small private school, um, Northside Christian, uh, down there. And actually, I jumped around. I went to three different private schools. I'm not real sure why, but <laughs> I went to a different one: elementary, middle, and high school. Okay. Even though all three schools went the full thing, but right? I decided I needed a change every year. I guess. <laughs> so we were just talking uh, Tampa St. Pete. Uh, for those of you that aren't watching on video, Leighton Hart's in the room. Uh, he did some time in Tampa. And Randy was in St. Pete, and we uh, put two and two together, and my mom and her family all grew up in St. Pete. And so, uh, good memories of St. Pete Beach. Oh, yeah. My um, my earliest memory of St. Pete Beach is, uh, this is maybe a sign of the times, we would have <laughs> strawberry containers, right, the, yeah. the plastic ones. Right. And those were the... Um, the building blocks of the oh, sand yeah. as opposed to having little plastic toys and right. things like that. I don't know if that's just <laughs> early 80s and everybody did that or if that was just I us. So, Huh. I, did you get them somewhere in St. Pete? I'm sure my grandmother's kitchen. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so then after, um, after playing uh, sports, I'm assuming, yep. growing up, what yep. kind of a kid were you? Uh, I was very much an outdoor kid, um, and I think a lot of that was because of my parents. I mean, they always encouraged us to be outside and just playing outside and stuff like that. And, you know, and growing up in the, you know, early to mid-80s, um, you know, we had a lot more freedom to just kind of <laughs> roam the neighborhood right. and, you know, all that kind of random stuff. So I had a couple friends in the neighborhood, and we'd ride our bikes for miles and just get into whatever and um i do know my my dad when i was real little and i was trying to remember i was trying to think about this last night how young i was when he built it but he basically just built two four by fours with a platform on it and so it was like a fort in the backyard and he built it and then every so often he would just come home with wood and say here go add on to it do with what you know, what you want to do. And right. that thing transformed, I mean, over the years into all kinds of stuff. I mean, it eventually had four walls and a roof. Yeah. It had a trap door in the bottom. And I mean, it had all kinds of stuff and it was just constantly, but it was like my thing and right. I got to do whatever I wanted to, to it. And so. You guys have the, the quintessential rope swing going from we the We didn't tree. have a rope swing. We had a, like a big tire swing. Yeah. Um, in the backyard. Um, so, but. Um, which I set on fire at one point. <laughs> Tell me about that. Not thinking. I, I didn't really think it through. Um, 
I couldn't get the knot untied from the rope. And so I was like, oh, well, I'll just burn it off. <laughs> well, not thinking that, hey, this whole thing is made of wood. Right. I lit the rope on fire, and that fire, like, shot up the rope and went to the beam that it was hanging from. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this whole thing's going to burn down. And so I think I went and grabbed the water hose that was in the backyard and tried to hose it down. And ugh, it was, yeah, it was a fun time. Love it. <laughs> so... um Tell us a story about something that your parents did with you as a kid that, that really typified what your life was like from that 7, 8 years old to like 12, 13, 14. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, were all, we were really close to um, my mom's side of the family. Uh, so we, my grandparents, they kind of bounced around a little bit, but for the most part they lived in central Florida. Um, and then a lot of my aunts and uncles lived up in that Orlando area. And so... We would travel up there to my grandparents, and everyone would usually come together at my grandparents, and um, we'd all get together and do yard work at my grandparents' house and all kinds of different stuff. And my uncle eventually built a log cabin, um, like near Ocala, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that eventually became the place that we would all gather, and it was just all the cousins, all the aunts and uncles, um, again, all the cousins playing outside and um, building forts and, you know, riding bikes and stuff like that. And so a lot of what we did was just these family oriented, you know, big gatherings. Um, but you know, it was, it was a lot of my parents really encouraged like creative play and just getting outside and, you know, doing whatever. And, um, so it was, you know, there was a lot of fun times of just, you know, figuring out something to do. Right. Um, Because, you know, didn't grow up in the age of iPads and iPhones and, you know, video. I mean, I don't even remember having a video game system. So, I mean. I never had one. Yeah. So you had to have, I mean, you had a tree. I mean, that was like. That's it. That was your form of entertainment. And a wall and a ball. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, um, so, and we we did a lot of camping and um, so it was just a lot of you know, fairly simple, mm-hmm. but really good quality, like family time. Right. Um, and so I think that was always something that my parents just really encouraged was we didn't need like a lot of fancy things to do stuff or whatever, but, you know, we would just get out and hang out and, you know, make the best of what we had and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, but yeah. So, so, so speaking of your parents, mm-hmm. what do they... What do they describe what you do for a living? <laughs> um, definitely not what they thought I was going to do. Okay. Um, Tell me about that. So I went off to college and was a religion major. Um, and, you know, for as long as I can remember, I was going to graduate and be a youth pastor was basically what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, I graduated college. I ended up working for Rise Up, which is a local after-school program. I worked for them for seven and a half years and um, loved it and, you know, was good at it and stuff and ended up moving to Philly and um, got out of kind of the quote-unquote ministry, you know, and worked for Apple. And and then when I moved back to Johnson City, I, I I guess I had this like bug or this itch to be in business for myself. Um, 
And so I just kind of looked for something that I wanted to do. Um, and so I remember going to them and saying, what would you think if I opened a barber shop? And they're like, okay. Um, and they, you know, they wanted me to kind of explain it to them and, you know, Neither one of my parents are ever like business people. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was a correctional officer in the jail, and my mom was a earth science teacher and computer teacher. So I mean, neither one of them were business kind of folks. Um, uh, and so, but they just you know kind of wanted to wanted me to talk it through with them, and but they were always very encouraging of it, and just kind of said, you know, we'll help you out, support you, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, they, they couldn't support a whole lot financially or anything, but, you know, as far as, um, just kind of cheerleading and spreading the word and all that kind of stuff. And so I think, that, I think they were very kind of, eh, we'll see how this goes kind of thing. And, but now I think they have been, um, very pleasantly surprised at the way that it's gone. And, um, so, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, it definitely not what they, had thought that I would right. be doing um, as an adult. So, so how how did the barbershop concept come into play yep. when you were thinking? All right, I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna want to start a business. Yep. Why the barbershop? How'd that come about? Sure. So uh, when I moved back from Philly, when I was living in Philly, I had um, gone to several barbershops that were kind of similar to um, C.S. McCullough's and. I really liked it. Like it was this small, so up in Philly, it's a lot of like small towns, small boroughs kind of. Um, and so everyone has their own little spot. Right. And so one place that I was living at the time was called Collegeville and you could just walk across the bridge into town and there was the barbershop that I would go to. Um, cooler full of PBR, guys just hanging out, sports on the TVs, you know, everyone just having a conversation in there, hanging out. I mean, I would see guys show up 30, 40 minutes before their haircut and hang out for 30, 40 minutes after their haircut just to hang out. Yeah. And so when I moved back to Johnson City, I kind of looked for that similar experience, and I just couldn't find it. Um, I found plenty of skilled folks that were good at cutting hair, but the environment that I wanted wasn't here. And so downtown was starting to get that push and that yeah. um and so there really wasn't a shop like this downtown yet and so i said you know what if i can't find it then i'll just do it myself um and then also as i was thinking about businesses i was like what can't you buy on amazon and you can't buy a haircut on amazon that's right and so um so i was like that's something that is never going to go away. People are always going to need haircuts. Um, and so, you know, when I thought of it in that sense, then um, I figure if I can find the skilled people, I'll create the experience in the environment, um, you know, that brings them in. So, Where did the name C.S. McCullough's come from? It's my from? grandfather. So it's my mom's dad. Okay. Um, so, yeah, not a barber. Okay. He was a, <laughs> right. He was a physics teacher, uh, but just a big part of my life growing up. Um, so there's a drawing of him down in the shop and there's a, like a lot of items of his and, and stuff down in the shop. So, but yeah. How did you decide, um, 
so you got the retail side of the store as well. Yep. In addition to the barbershop, just as an opportunity for side income stream, additional income stream. Right. So when we opened the barbershop, it was I only had two chairs, but I had a, a a decent amount of space, and it just seemed really empty. Um, and a buddy of mine, Patrick Muncy, um, had had started the Fout Anchor um, years ago, and so he used to be on. Um, the other side of the tracks on Market St- or on Main Street um, near the boxing gym, and he just didn't have a, a lot of foot traffic down there, and so it was just kind of tough. And so I said, "Why don't you move the shop into my barber shop, and we'll, you know, see how it goes, marry the two together." I was like, "I've got plenty of people coming in, right. so they'll at least see your products, and then your." You, he had a really good following at the time, so his shoppers would also see the barber shop side of it. So. It just kind of made sense. Um, and then it just kind of grew. Uh, he was also working another job at the time, and so he didn't really have a whole lot of time to pour into it. And so I said, well, I can, you know, help manage some of that. Um, and then two years ago, I actually bought him out. Okay. Um, and so, and then we rebranded everything under C.S. McCullough's. Okay. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's been great to have it. Um, it's definitely not like the big money maker in the shop. Um, but it's, it's nice to have, you know, for when folks are hanging out and waiting or, you know, if somebody comes with somebody else that's getting their haircut, they've got something to kind of look around at and stuff like that. So my favorite, um, I don't know if it's still down there or not. I know early on it was a huge hatchet that was in there. Yeah. I don't know if that you guys still carry those. Or... It's amazing we actually sold them all. Yeah. Um, and people are like, they always come in and they go, do you actually sell these axes and stuff? It's like, <laughs> surprisingly, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, those were, I think, kind of one-offs. Yeah. Um, and so, but, yeah, we've sold them all. So early on in the business, what, as you're launching, the, the, those first couple of, of months, we got a lot of people that, that, might be listening to this that are thinking about starting a business. Mm-hmm. What concerns were going through your mind of, all right, I'm getting ready to open these doors? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing was, are people actually going to come in here and want to get their hair cut? Um, so, I mean, the biggest thing was we didn't have a front door when we first opened. Um, so we had zero visibility to Main Street. Um, that whole, our whole front door, um, was built on and finished probably three or four months after we actually opened. Right. So for three or four months, we were in a dark hole (laughs) that nobody could see us. And how did um, you overcome that? I mean, we, it was, you know, boots on the ground outside. I mean, I was, um, that was one of the the nice things about being in my position of not actually cutting hair was I would leave those two original staff in the shop and I would go out um, and just talk to folks and say, hey, come in, check us out. I'd carry business cards around with discounts on it and say, hey, you know, come check us out. Um, come get your hair cut. Um, but I also had a, a pretty decent um, group of folks that um, – really supported me in the beginning, um, and came in and, uh, and then from there, you know, spread the word and, you know, it was just word of mouth. So, um, it, it only probably took four or five months for us to fill up our books to where, um, we were consistently filling a day with haircuts. Okay. So, um, 
that's one of the things that <clears throat> I've always, when I first heard that you owned the business and weren't a barber, right? intrigued me about your business model. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, sitting in the chair thinking, genius, right? <laughs> uh, it's really smart business move on your part yeah. to allow yourself to do something that you enjoy doing, going out in the community, marketing, right. shaking hands, right. uh, getting people in the door. So yeah. um, tip of the cap to you from from, <laughs> from just a layman's perspective, yeah, a yeah. great idea Thanks. and um, smart use of, of your abilities as well. So um, so, so what, what motivated you uh, early on um, to say, all right, uh, Apple, I'm out of that and I'm moving into a new arena of why entrepreneurship? Why small business? Yeah. Um, what drew you to this life? So I think a lot of it started at Apple. Um, when I was working at Apple, I was, um, I was a business specialist. So I was working with companies that were under fortune 500 all the way down to mom and pop. Like I had one lady that crocheted stuff for a living and I mean, but she used iPads to sell at market. Um, and so she would come in and work with us and, but then, you know, we worked all the way up to companies that, you know, were rolling out 1200 iPads to, to, to their staff and we would help set them up and get them trained on it and stuff like that. So I got to meet a lot of business folks and a lot of small business folks that, had an idea, had a dream, and just decided to go for it. Um, and so in talking with them and hanging out with them and seeing how they ran their business and what they did, um, I think when I moved back to Johnson City, um, I was doing medical sales for a little while just as I was kind of uh, getting the barbershop up and running. Um, but I think that was the biggest thing was having met them, you know, up there and – saying, you know what, I I think that's something that I would want to do is, you know, be in business for myself. And um, I had an idea and I felt like I, you know, had this vision that I could make it work. And um, and I, I was all about the community that Johnson City was kind of building at that time. And I wanted to be yeah. a part of that. Um, I wanted to create a space that created even more community in the downtown Johnson, you know, Johnson city area. Um, and you know, was a space that people could come into and hang out. And, um, and so that was the biggest thing was, you know, as far as that drive and, and wanting to open it was just to be a part of what was happening in downtown. So, so you say you had a vision, right? Talk about creating that vision and, and how does that parlay into when you're working with your team, right? Mm -hmm. Bringing on a, a team of barbers. Yeah. Um, how do you cast that vision and, and make them or help them to see that you want this community, this connection, and not just come in, cut hair, and get out of there right. kind of a mentality? Um, so, <clears throat> again, you know, back to Apple, you know, they created, they, if you ever walk into an Apple store, it's the same thing every time you walk in. Um, they create an experience that no matter if you visit an Apple store in Philly or Shanghai, it's going to be the exact same experience. Um, it's going to look the same. They're going to greet you the same. Um, and you're going to feel like 
yeah, this is where I belong. This is, you know, why don't I have Apple products, you know, kind of thing. And so I brought that again with me to the shop and, and the way that they casted the vision to us, um, you know, they always say in the Apple world, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the Apple employees go and stuff. And, um, it's the same thing with my staff, you know, I, a lot of them have just worked in regular salons or barber shops that just don't have this like family kind of feel. And um, if you talk to any one of my staff that's down there today, they'll tell you that, like, it's very much a a CS family down there. Um, uh, But just like any other family, we have bouts and fights and stuff like that. (laughs) But at the end of the day, we're all in this together. um, And we're all supporting each other and helping each other be better at at what we do, Um, whether that's my front desk staff or Mm -hmm. my barbershop staff. we're all in it together. Um, one person's success only means that, you know, another person is also going to be successful. So, um, so yeah, I mean, when, when I hire them in, um, especially my barber staff, um, I tell them that, uh, I hire for personality and then my, my other like senior barber staff, they hire for talent. And so I interview him first and I talk to him just to see if, you know, if we can just hang out. Right. Because that's what I want behind the chair. I want someone that is comfortable just hanging out with somebody for 45 minutes. Um, But then I also tell him, I go, you went to school to cut hair, not to sweep hair, not to fold towels, not to ring out a customer, not to answer the phone. I'm going to hire somebody to do all of that for you. I just want you to cut hair. Um, And so... With me being able to allow them to focus on their craft and make it a craft and an artwork and not just slinging hair and putting it on the floor and sending someone out the door, but that they can really take their time and have a conversation and um, really make the haircut the best you know that it can be, um, I think they take a lot more pride in their work and in the shop um, when they're able to do that. So... Sounds like a, you know, I talk a lot about as a CEO of a company or, or the owner of a company, it's creating that vision, engaging talent, and then owning the results. And it sounds like you're doing a great job of engaging the talent that you have, even before they even become an employee, right. of making sure that that would be somebody that would be a great fit to yeah. to you guys. Um, yeah. So how do you how do you own the results every single day of of your company? Um. I mean, for me, I, you know, I try to be in the shop every day for at least a period of that time. Um, cause you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, a lot of like just the face of CS McCullough's a pro- a lot of people, it's becoming a little less, I guess, um, as I am out of the shop a little bit more, but I still work shifts behind the desk, ringing people out, answering phones, sweeping hair. Um, and so for me, it's being in the shop with the staff every day and them seeing that I'm not just some guy that owns this shop, but I'm someone that, one, enjoys going into work every day mm-hmm. and the place that I work. Um, and so I think when they see that, you know, that they enjoy it. Plus, it allows me to kind of engage with my staff every day. Um 
see how they're doing, you know, personally and in business wise. And, um, but then also too, just asking them, Hey, what, you know, what do we need to change? What, what needs to be different? What, you know, what are we seeing? What are some pain points? What are some, what's working really well? And so, um, they're the ones that know, cause they're the ones that are in there from open to close every day. And so, um, I think just, just being there is really the, the biggest thing to allowing it to be, um, consistent every day. Sounds like, um, you have a good model or a system. I really like, um, picking up on your barber's cut hair. Right. right. We can find somebody else as far as in your system of to do other things that aren't their main focus. Right. Um, and then I feel like as, as far as businesses go, there's some sort of technology piece in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people piece. Right. Um, what other models or, or systems do you guys work with and what sort of technology do you guys utilize in your business to help you get leverage and to help you be more efficient and effective? Yeah. Um, as far as technology goes, I mean, we, um, square has been amazing to, they do everything for me. Um, all my appointments are booked through square. My point of sale is through square. Uh, my front desk staff, their hourly payroll is through Square. Um, and so my marketing is, you know, they have a marketing online email marketing tool that we use through them. Um, uh, you know, all of our online gift cards. I mean, they've really kind of made it really easy um, for me to run um, – a barbershop through one program. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of, you know, having worked with other businesses, there's a lot of other businesses that have to use two and three programs in order to get the job done. Um, but for me to be able to come in and there's just one login that I have to go into and I can see everything, um, my retail side of it, my online retail side of it, appointments, I can manage my staff, I can manage payroll, and then all that's interconnected, I'm, I'm assuming, yeah, too. Yeah, it's all connected. It's a great platform. Um, it dumps into my QuickBooks uh, for my P&Ls, my profit and loss reports. And so, I mean, it's it's just seamless. Right. Um, so it's funny, you know, other banks will come into me all the time and say, hey, you know, I can lower your point of sale, you know, transaction rate for car- credit cards. And I say, that's awesome. But can you do all of these other things in one platform? Yeah. I was like, and if you can, I will be happy to switch to you. Um, but no one has been able to touch it yet. Um, and so I, you know, I pay a little bit higher transaction fee, but at the end of the day, I mean, I know a buddy once told me, he's like, your time is worth money too. Um, and so, you know, the amount of time that I don't have to spend logging in and out of other programs right. to make an Excel spreadsheet yeah. of this and then convert it into that, hiring exactly. a virtual assistant to do that. Now exactly. you're the platform right? as opposed to yeah. allowing Square to be the platform. Exactly. Yeah, we see that in a lot of businesses. So, um, so yeah, they're, and they're constantly doing updates and coming out with new things. And, um, you know, they've got social media integration now to where you can book, um, book appointments straight into our Square database from our Instagram 
page. Um, there's a book now button on our Instagram right. page that links right into. So, I mean, they just, like I said, they've made it so turnkey and so easy um, for businesses um, to do. So that's our primary technology piece. Um, I think that's where a lot of people in business, you mentioned the word platform. And this platform revolution, there's actually a book called The Platform Revolution. Okay. It talks about Uber, talks about Amazon, yeah. talks about Airbnb and the opportunity and like Square, right? Having a platform right. to where it takes the consumer out of the middle of it and allows that platform to be the middle piece right. and, and to do everything. Um, and, and I think people are starting to come onto that and to realize that it's definitely helped you in your business. Yeah. Um, when I'm talking to people about you know, platforms and this platform revolution. And they're like, well, it seems like a new thing. And it's, it's not really though. No. Cause if you think about a shopping mall, yeah. right. That's a platform. Right. It's just old school. Yeah. It's the internet that helped make everything more accessible. Right. And as, as you were saying platform, I was thinking the barbershop is really a platform too. Like you have a platform yeah. essentially right there in the middle where you've got your barbers who want to cut hair and you've got clients that need their hair cut. Right. And you are the owner of that platform, yeah. allowing people to come in and, and allowing them to get services there. So that's that's pretty neat. So as far as what's trending, so what's trending in the little micro world of barber or what's trending in the, your micro world of I own a barber shop? Yeah. Um, so in the barber world, we are starting to see, you know, <laughs> there was a period of time I would say probably – I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe longer, where, like, guys taking care of themselves was not a thing. Um, it, it didn't mean a whole lot to be groomed. It didn't mean a whole lot to have a, you know, a really killer haircut or, you know, a lined-up beard or, you know, anything like that. Um, but we're starting to see that trend of, I mean, you look at original barbershops and like those guys were some dapper dudes. Mm -hmm. I mean, they took care of their, I mean, the, the picture of my grandfather down there, I mean, this big swoop in his hair and you know that like, but he was also a farmer, but you know that like when he went into, into class or whatever that day, I mean, he probably had his comb and his hair was combed right. And, um, and so I think we saw this kind of gap in time where, you know, guys didn't really care about haircuts. And and I honestly think that it, it at one point almost did away with the barbershop experience. Um, but now we're starting to see this influx in barbershops and guys taking care of themselves again and wanting a good-looking haircut and um, a styled haircut. It's not just you know, uh, give me a two all over, you know, or whatever, you know, it's, you know, a, a good scissor cut and, um, there's new trends and, you know, my guys go to these, um, uh, barber expos all the time and they're huge now. Um, yeah. there's, you know, competitions for cutting hair and, and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I really think we're starting to see the, the kind of moving up in, um, you know, a, a good quality haircut. Um, and, uh, you know, a guy looking nice on a, on a given day. Um, so, and then we're also seeing the 
um, uptick in barbershops coming back and that experience of a barbershop. Um, people hanging out, guys talking about whatever, you know, and having that experience of, yeah, this is like, this is my man's spa day kind of thing. Right. You know, I'm going to grab a beer and grab a haircut and talk to some folks. And, and so, um, and that's really what I, you know, wanted, but, and we're, I think we're just now kind of starting to see it move. I mean, you go into some other like larger cities and there's some big barber shops that, um, you know, lines are out the door to get in them. Um, but they're just these little hole in the walls where yeah. guys are just hanging out and, um, having conversation and, and, you know, but at the end of the day, getting a really killer haircut. So I've heard you say experience, community, connection, like that's a lot of my intrinsic, you know, to the core of what I like to do, yeah. just being friends with people and saying, Hey, you know, do you know this individual? Do you know Randy? Um, and I almost feel like the more I hear you talk about that, that, that sort of leads into your value proposition of what you're, what you're really offering for sure to people is the ability to, to be connected and to have a community and, and have a place to go, um, to have a good time and, and to just relax and get away yeah. from the day. Um, what do you consider that as your value proposition and, and anything else that you would say as well? To yeah. That? So that's really, um, that's really the biggest value proposition that I feel like, I mean, there's so many, you know, it's, I kind of looked at myself, like, what did I want? I wanted a place where I could go and just feel comfortable just to sit and hang out. Um, whether I wanted to talk to somebody or if I just wanted to kind of relax at the end of the day or, you know, whatever it was. Um, but I, I wanted that space where I just felt like I could breathe, you know, and just kind of relax and, and, um, enjoy, you know, a quality haircut and a good conversation if I wanted it. And so, um, I think a lot of these other, you know, a lot of shops really just churn and burn and get you in and out of the shop, you know, as fast as they can. Um, and we don't want to do that. Um, we want to take our time. We want to get to know you. Um, we want, you know, so many of my staff and I'll sit back and listen and, um, you know, they'll have their repeat customers come in and they'll have, they'll know a question to ask them about the last time that they were in. Right. Um, and, uh, and so we get to know them and it, I always liken it to, you know, the show cheers, you know, where everyone yeah. knows your name. Um, and, and that's what we want in the shop. You know, um, we want this big community of folks that, you know, we have our CS family, and if you sit in our chairs, you're now a part of that family. That's right. um, and, uh, you know, we, I see people out in public all the time, and they, they stop me all the time. And they're like, oh, I was just in your shop. Yeah. And, you know, or my wife and I, we were at Sam's one day, and we ran into three clients at Sam's. And, you know, the one guy, he's got like six kids with him and his wife, and he stops me and he goes, this is what, this is what I look forward to every four weeks. Um, he goes, this is like, it's on my calendar every four weeks. And it's like the biggest thing that I look forward to is walking in there, grabbing a beer and just sitting and hanging out. Um, and that like completely makes everything worth it, um, right there. So, hmm. well, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, 
Well, Randy, that kind of wraps up our time together here today on the Johnson City Small Business Podcast. I'd like to thank you for investing your time with us today, yeah. sharing some stories. I love the community and the uh, the connecting part of, of your value proposition. And uh, it's cool to know that, you know, St. Pete is uh, being represented up here in That's Johnson right. City with, <laughs> with the McKinney uh, Collister clan and the Almond Zors. There you go. Um, so, uh, folks, if, if you like this show and, and, and you want it to grow, I'd I, I just need you to tell one person. Um, and so, so Randy, speaking of that kind of uh, line of thought, where can people go to find you, find your business, uh, possibly connect with you? Yeah, so csbarbers.com is our website. Um, csbarbers is our Instagram handle. And then csbarbersjc um, is our uh, Facebook um, account. So feel free to jump on there and find us. But we're right downtown. I always tell folks they seem to know where Holy Taco is. Yep. Um, we're right next door to Holy Taco. So come in, see us, grab a drink, hang out, um, grab a massage, whatever you want. So Great. Um, and, uh, of course, I'd like to thank, thank the listener, of course, for dropping into the show today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Special thanks to Market Street Media and our sound engineer, Leighton Hart, who's responsible every single time for romance in your ears. Um, This is the Johnson City Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McKinney. And uh, signing off from our friend Randy, the Fort Fireman (laughs) Almanzor. Until next time, uh, keep living your life by design.